0: Welcome to You, But More Powerful. I'm your host, Rhiannon, and this is your go-to podcast for raw and expansive messages from health, fitness, business, and mindset, and as always, with a little bit of fun sprinkled in. My purpose is to help you step into your most powerful self and build your dream life. You'll gain clarity, connection, and confidence with a whole lot of practical skills along the way. I know you're in exactly the right place to level up, build the body, mindset, and life you absolutely love and thrive in. Let's go. Hello, hello. We are back with another episode. And I really just wanted to take the time initially to say thank you so much. I'm honestly so overwhelmed with the incredible feedback and just support from everyone. It's just been such a yeah, a beautiful experience, and I just wanted to take the time to say thank you yet again. Um, and we're gonna start and kick it off and get straight into it with a random fact of the day. So, Randomly, golf balls have, on average, 336 dimples. So the dimples on a golf ball are designed to make it more aerodynamic and it allows it to travel further in the air. There's no official rules about how many dimples golf balls can have, but most feature between 300 and 500, which actually blows my mind. Like you can go and do the counting if you'd like to, but incredible. Today's episode is going to be all about nutrition and understanding the, you know, the fundamentals and the principles and just give you a good, you know, a few suggestions and frameworks that you can utilize as well. So I have completed my study with Sports Nutrition Australia and I'm qualified as a provisional sports nutritionist. So I'm currently deciding what avenue I'm going to take next in terms of further education. Um, The way that it works, essentially, you have up to three years to then um, further your education, uh, different studies, different avenues. So, yeah, having a look into that. But I am a registered and accredited sports nutritionist and can complete sports nutrition programming. But let's get into the fun stuff. So, this is gonna be a lot more learnings and takeaways. So, definitely be ready. If you're like me and listen to podcasts while I'm walking, I like to utilize Siri on my watch, or I just quickly grab my phone out and I'm like, save a note. I am big on that. But a common thing that I really see when it comes to nutrition is just an overwhelming amount of information and a lot of confusion. Confusion is one of the biggest issues I see when it comes to nutrition and underneath that is a lack of knowledge. And when we don't know any better, we can't do any better. But once we know better, we can do better. So I hope today you're going to have a lot more information about how to, you know, better nutrition for yourself. So I do have a previous, uh, recorded workshop that I've held, which goes into a little more details on diet types of what diet is the best type diet and really takes you through pros and cons. So if this is something that you want to go into the weeds a little bit more on, then just shoot me through a DM and I'll pop it through. But I do see a lot of blanket rules and a lot of dogmatic approaches. And I'm not immune to, you know, in the early stages of my fitness and nutrition, I guess, journey or whatever you want to call it a lot of stuff thrown at you. It's like, do this, do that, don't do this, and all these crazy rules. And look, when it comes to turning up dials in life, some things are gonna have to give, and and this is another one that I see, that once we start to understand a strategy that may have worked for us at one point in time, it's not always gonna be the one that's going to work given everything else. So we really need to understand the fundamentals as like a top layer, and then we can have a look at all the different tools that we can utilize within the actual overarching principles. Because then we have the, you know, the power and the confidence to be able to pick and choose the things that are going to work for us, given our current phases and stages of life. So, you know, deficit, maintenance, growth, depending where we're sitting at. To really, like, again, focus on our overall health and well being, but also take into consideration what's happening within our life. Is there, you know, are we studying at the moment? Have we just given birth? Are we going for career progression? Like, where are we at? So, there's going to be different strategies that are going to work at different times. And I guess throughout my own studies, my own personal experiences, and obviously those that I've coached, we all come with different levels of nutritional literacy. So we can be beginner, intermediate and advanced. And there's also even like a category that falls within before beginner, which I guess you could refer to as novice or it's before we even get to the beginning stages. So the way that I coach inside the glow up is meet you with where you're at and help you build on your knowledge from there. If you have not understood some, you know, overarching principles and now you're trying to weigh and track out your food, it's going to be zero to 100 and pretty much a recipe for potential overwhelm. So let's do a little bit of a crash course, which I am going to give you a timestamp so you can have a look at maybe some areas that are going to apply a little bit more to yourself. So I feel like it shouldn't really need to be said, but I'm going to chuck it in anyway that nutrition is vital for our overall health, our overall function, our performance. It's literally a huge part of our lives. So some of us use food to socialize with friends and family, and I'm sure you can think of lots of occasions that, you know, you may be surrounded by food. So I also pr- pride myself on having a very diverse range of clients, um, which side note I absolutely love. I've always been very intrigued by different cultures, races, religions. So there's various occasions of food that is of high importance. So when we look at the women that I work with mostly, they're coming for a physique result, and we need to understand those overarching principles to be able to remove any of the BS food rules that may be there to be able to obtain that result. Um, Within, you know, reason, there's going to be pros and cons and trade-offs of everything. So we, you know, go through a tailored and personalized approach. So if we're looking at the overarching principles to weight loss, weight gain, it is basically energy in versus energy out. But there obviously is a lot more that falls under these categories. And I do want to try and keep this as simple as possible. Um, But this is science, right? This isn't just like my opinion. This is, you know, research evidence. So when we look at energy balance, this is the concept that basically helps us understand how we as humans actually gain, lose or maintain weight, right? So I'm talking weight specifically here. I'm going to talk about composition soon. So what is energy balance? Energy is another word for calories, and I probably will use them interchangeably throughout the conversation today. But your energy balance is basically the balance of calories consumed through eating and drinking, as opposed to calories that you burn through living, breathing, physical activity. So what you eat and drink is energy in to the system and what you burn through your energy output is energy out, okay? So less energy in than you burn, you're going to lose weight. More energy in than you burn, you're going to gain weight. The same energy in as you burn, you're going to maintain weight, okay? I can't stress the importance enough that this above principle doesn't account for body composition. I'm talking purely about weight and not body fat here, okay? So it's extremely important to note that as simply losing weight can be largely from muscle mass and very little from body fat. And if we're not careful, we can just end up a smaller, flabbier version of ourselves. So when we gain weight, it's also the same kind of thing that applies. It could be more you know, we could be gaining more muscle mass, we could be gaining more fat mass, um, but we're going to go into the details on understanding that. I just thought it was worth noting, okay? So energy in, energy out, we're talking just mass on the scale, not, not talking about our actual body composition. So let's kind of go down there a little bit. When we're eating and training in a particular way, we're going to have more control around reducing fat and gaining muscle. And this is what I guess quotation marks were, you know, the word toned really refers to. Okay, so it is a bit of a very controversial word um, because you can't like you can't tone fat, okay? but you can decrease fat mass and you can increase muscle mass, which is what gives us that quotation marks again, toned appearance. okay? so if we take things step further again into body composition for those of us who train and chances are, if you're listening to this, you you are one of those or one of us, I should say, all inclusive. We need to look at our resistance training and protein intake as this is what's Going to have the biggest impact on our physique or our appearance. So, to paint you a little bit of a picture, if we took twins for example, like you know, same DNA, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I don't know all the ins and outs of twins, but basically, you get the gist. Just two people exactly the same. One's going to adhere to just energy in, energy out, and they're not going to train, so they're just going to eat less than they burn and not train. The other person's going to adhere to macro distribution within the energy balance and their resistance training. Okay? Their body is going to look a lot different to the one who just adhered to the energy balance. So the one who's prioritizing macro distribution and resistance training, they're going to look a lot more again toned or fit or strong or you know the 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 lean strong physique that we're referring to. The other is just going to be a smaller, potentially more soft, you know, Looking appearance. So let's kind of jump into the macros and the micros now. It's a good segue because this is what we're talking about, our macro distribution. Okay. So put simply, macronutrients are nutrients that we consume in larger quantities. Okay. So the word macro, meaning large, macronutrients, we consume them in larger quantities. Micronutrients, so meaning smaller, are the nutrients that we consume in smaller quantities. So a lot of people shorten these words. Again, in Australia, we're all about just making things as small as possible in terms of our language. Actually, another little segue is when my little brother was much younger, he started abbreviating KFC to KF and we're like, but KFC is already abbreviated from Kentucky Fried Chicken. I just thought it was it was hilarious. He just kept referring to it as KF. So I guess that's a really good example of what we do here in Australia. Anyway, back to macros and micros. So our macronutrients are our carbs, our fats, and our protein. Okay, so carbs we use for energy, and no, they're not the devil. They're not evil. We will get to that. Fats we also use for energy as well, and nutrient absorption, and basically like the making and transportation of hormones. This is why there is, a, I guess, a minimum amount of fat that's needed, especially for women, but we'll come back to that later. And protein is used for growth, recovery, and repair of all of our tissues in our body. So a bit of a tangent I want to go down is a myth that eating protein is gonna make you bulky. Because we as females don't have the same genetic makeup of men. Like I'm I'm low-key sad because we've got to work harder for that muscle. But anyway. So for us to, you know, get quotation marks bulky or for this to occur. Most of the individuals that are springing to mind when you're thinking about this, not all, like I'm just making some generalizations here, but the ones that you're picturing are usually using some type of performance enhancing supplement. Okay, so lifting weights and eating protein is not going to make you look like Popeye, like if only it was that easy. Anyway, there's also a bit of a running joke. Within my family, when it comes to protein, because obviously I can talk. Um, and we were at dinner the other night, and I was honestly just kept talking about protein and protein. But seriously, the evidence is there, so it's not just me harping on about protein. But if we actually have a look at protein from not just a muscle, you know, perspective, I really want to start to shift that and really understand. I background have a diploma in beauty therapy, and I do remember doing my skin thesis and. Also the anatomy and physiology uh, modules that we did then as well. Obviously, I was so intrigued by, go figure. But if we have a look at collagen and elastin, right? So collagen and elastin, I guess, basically the main kind of components of our skin. If we're thinking about young looking healthy skin, they're high in collagen and elastin. We start to naturally deplete that after age 25. Anyway, the ways that we can help increase this, um, you know, is eating foods rich in vitamin C and amino acids. What are amino acids? They are basically proteins. So any, um, a, a complete protein is something that has all nine essential amino acids. And these are things like beef, fish, eggs, dairy, um, quinoa, buckwheat. Foods that contain some, but not all of the amino acids are called incomplete proteins. And these are foods like, you know, your nuts, your seeds, your beans, and some grains. So there is literally some more, here's some more science for you, but about 330 billion cells that are replaced daily. Okay. So that's equivalent to about like 1% of all of your cells every day are turning over. So in about a hundred days, 30 trillion cells will have replenished. Which is basically the equivalent of a whole new you. Now, I'm not gonna go down the rabbit hole of like mindset and understanding you can change because we are constantly changing on a day to day basis. We'll come back to that in another episode. But as you can see, proteins are the building blocks of life. So every cell in the human body contains protein, and the basic structure of protein is a chain of amino acids. So you need protein in your diet to help your body repair cells and make new ones, okay? Not just to look like Popeye. Anyway, that's that's enough on that. Well, let's get back on track, okay? So the macronutrients, again, are protein, carbs, and fats, and hopefully you now note the importance of them. If we have a look at micronutrients, these are often referred to as your vitamins and minerals and are obviously vital for healthy development, Um, disease prevention, well-being, I guess. And also with the exception of vitamin D, micronutrients aren't actually produced in the body, so they need to be derived from our diet. So they're also responsible for numerous chemical and hormonal processes. Um, So really important, these ones, but obviously in smaller quantities, referring to micronutrients. Okay. So examples of this are like your zinc, your magnesium, your vitamin C, your E, your B vitamins. So now we're going to jump into some different foods that fall into these categories because another common issue that I have seen Amongst those that I work with and those that are really new to nutrition, is not really understanding what category foods might fall under. So, if we have a look at protein to start with, you know, being my favorite and all, um, you've probably heard the term lean protein. So, let's actually get into a little bit more on what is a lean protein, okay? So, we're gonna go through protein sources, but I'm going to explain to you what a lean source or what's considered a lean source of protein. So a protein source is considered lean if it's low in fat. So per 100 gram portion, it would have 10 grams of fat or less. Okay. It's also particularly low in saturated fat. So you're looking at less than four grams of saturated fat per 100 gram serve And again, saturated fats are those that the research suggests that we kind of limit or lower as it can increase your risk of, you know, cardiovascular disease and all these other things. So lean meats basically are typically the ones that have their like skin removed or the visible fat is trimmed or, you know, that kind of thing. So if we think about lean meats, we're looking at things like chicken breast, turkey breast, white fish, like your tuna, barramundi, um, lean beef. This can be like obviously mince versions, or this can be fat trimmed steaks. you got your yeah, kangaroo, um, other yogurts like good old Chobani or Yopro, seafood, my personal favorite. If only I was a millionaire, um, you know, your prawns and your oysters, things like tofu, protein powder, egg whites also fall into this category. Now we'll address a little bit later, like why I'm separating the two, but it's going to help you construct your, you know, your plans and build on your nutritional literacy. So a more fattier protein source is going to include things like, you know, your oily fish, like salmon, which by the way, I am currently obsessed with this in the air fryer. So good. The double door air fryer from Kmart. Like I wish low key I was sponsored, but honestly, best thing ever. Anyway, I digress. Back to the fattier proteins. So things like that are oily fishes, things like cheese, whole eggs, um, regular mints, you know, chicken thigh, uh, bacon also falls into this category. So if we take a look at the next kind of category and focusing on fat sources, we're gonna look at the good fats or, you know, quotation mark good fats that are basically conducive to a like health and wellness. Okay, so I like to think of these as more fats that are supportive to our overall health. So with this, we're talking about things like your olive oil, your egg yolks, olives, avocado, nuts. Oh, I love a good smashed avo and I'm obsessed with macadamias as well. Like I feel like I go through phases of just like overdoing it on one food. Tell me I'm not the only person who does this. Let me know in the DMs. But other things like your nut butters, your seeds, your dark chocolate, 80 to 85% and above. Um, And obviously, you know, the fats that come from your uh, fattier meat sources like salmon and things like that. So we've covered off on some protein sources. We've covered off some fat sources. So let's have a look at some carbs. Okay. So with your carbohydrates, we can separate these into two different categories. So we're looking at complex carbohydrates and simple carbohydrates. So complex carbohydrates have more nutrients, and they typically do take longer for your body to digest. So they're going to help fill you up, and they're not going to cause the same sort of spikes in blood sugars as a simple carbohydrate does. Okay? Simple carbohydrates are ones that are obviously broken down quickly. Um, good for a quick release of energy. So, an example of complex carbohydrates are things like your, you know, potato, fruits, veggies, um, whole grains like your buckwheat. Uh, oats, rice, you've got things like pasta and bread. So these foods are generally higher in fiber and starch. And then your simple carbohydrates are your things like fruit juice, um, like your raw and your brown sugars, syrups, sports drinks, dried fruits, things like that. So simple carbs are the ones that are, you know, uh, larger in sugars and can help be helpful for a quick release or someone who needs a fast energy supply. So this could apply in your training or for those that are needing to eat larger carbohydrate amounts. And when they're looking at their overall food volume, okay, so the amount of food that they're eating. So they might be in a growth phase where we're trying to eat more than we're burning. Remember back to that energy balance. We might need to look at utilizing some simple carbohydrates to be able to get more food into the system without have to, having to physically eat large volumes of it. Okay. As opposed to if we're in a fat loss phase, we might look at things where we might want to go for a higher volume type of food as opposed to a lower volume. Okay, we'll we'll park that for now. But let's go into our vegetables and our micronutrients. So veggies are extremely important. Um, I know, yeah, everyone's sitting there going, I remember my parents telling me, or I don't know, my parents always like, eat your veggies, eat your veggies. And I just remember not wanting to do it. But now I'm like, I can't live without. So anyway, veggies, obviously we've heard the whole five serves of veg, two serves of fruit. So what does that really look like? Um, In practice, if we give a bit of an estimate, one serve of vegetables is roughly around 70 to 75 grams. Okay. Okay. So five serves times that by five, we're looking between 350 to 375 grams per day of non-starchy veggies, okay? Because remember, high starch, high fiber, these fall into the carbohydrate categories. So that's like your potatoes and your pumpkin. We're going to consider those carbohydrates. So what kind of foods are we talking about here when we're talking about our non-starch veggies? We're looking at things like Corn, broccoli, carrots, cauliflower, celery, cucumber, eggplant, capsicum, things like that. That's obviously not an exhaustive list, but hopefully that gives you a bit of an understanding of different foods and categories, okay, just to name a few. Now, let's jump into the part of the equation that looks at our energy output. We're just going to touch on this today. Because this isn't the main focus of the conversation, but it is part of the fundamentals of energy balance, okay? So when we talk about our energy needs and our energy output, we really need to think about our total daily energy expenditure. So you might have seen this referred to as TDEE. Uh, Basically, it's made up of a number of different components to actually get this total daily energy expenditure, right? So a few things that factors in is your BMR, which is your basal metabolic rate your PAL, this is your physical activity level, your NEAT, which is your non-exercise activity thermogenesis, and our TEF, this is the thermic effect of food, okay? So if you've never heard these terminologies, I'll give you a quick, brief, little breakdown. But basically, our basal metabolic rate, this is likely the biggest component that actually makes up our daily energy expenditure. It's about 60 to 70% of it. Okay. So our BMR is the amount of calories you need to keep you alive. If you literally just lay down all day and did nothing but live and breathe. Okay. (laughs) Like your functioning of your organs requires energy and protein in your cells, but I'll, I'll stop going on about that. Then if we have a look at our physical activity level, so this is pretty Self explanatory. Obviously, it's the amount of energy that we expend when we're doing planned physical activity. So, like our training sessions, etc. Our non exercise activity, thermogenesis. So, this is all of our non planned activity. So this is kind of your unconscious movements that you perform each day that aren't exercise-based. So this is, you know, this also is one of the notorious, the steps kind of fall into this category. Um, You know, talking with your hands, brushing your teeth, brushing your hair, all of these things that you're doing that aren't planned activity. So when we think about steps, our body's very smart. When we're going into different phases, Steps are going to be one of the biggest useful, I guess, tools um, to dictate and increase total output. So when we're you know, eating less, our body's going to want to start to slow down to meet that. So it's important to set targets to be able to reach those and vice versa. When we're trying to eat more, we typically see a higher step output because our body's like, all right, move more, move more, move more. Okay. So this neat is one of the ones that can be quite variable. But this is kind of factoring in, I want to say roughly about 15% of the overall daily expenditure. So we're thinking of like 60 to 70% being our basal metabolic rate, literally keeping you alive and your organs functioning. And then we're looking at planned physical activity uh, again, and our NEAT. These ones totally are probably looking at around like 20%. Um, And then remaining comes from the thermic effect of food. So the amount of energy it actually costs our bodies to extract energy from food. So again, the notorious protein has the highest thermogenic effect. So it's about 20 to 30% as opposed to carbohydrates, which is about six to eight. And then fat is the lowest. It's around two to three. Okay. So a calorie is always a calorie when it comes to energy. But the way that our body extracts the energy from that is going to differ between macronutrients. So our energy output, if we're thinking about a bit of a graph, is 70% our basal metabolic rate, around 15% our non-exercise activity, around 10% our digestion of foods, and then about 5% our actual exercise, resistance training, et cetera. So hopefully that gives you a quick little snapshot and understanding of energy in versus energy out and what factors are involved. But the main discussion of today's episode is really around nutrition and our energy in. So as we know, a healthy, balanced diet consists of an adequate amount of protein, carbohydrates and fats and also vitamins and minerals being our macronutrients. So if we look at these macronutrients, they have all have energy values that are assigned, okay? So a calorie value for a macronutrient, if we're looking at carbohydrates and proteins, these are four calories per gram. If we're looking at fats, these are nine calories per gram. And then alcohol, whilst we wouldn't prescribe that, it also falls in, it has its own, it's seven calories per gram, Okay. So I just want to preface this next part is when we're looking at macro distribution is I don't actually assign everyone that I'm coaching macros to start off with if this isn't where we're at. So within the glow up, we really look at a tiered approach that actually, you know, over time, we're going to move you through stages of nutritional literacy, but we might use different processes along that way. So it could be a food log. It could be the hand plan. We could use a, you know, a macro tracking app. Um, but to be able to have complete food freedom, which is the overall end goal, I believe being well-versed in all the different areas is key and it really does take time. Like that's one thing that, you know, perseverance, commitment, time, progress. Yeah, you gotta you got to put in the reps. So I do, however, calculate this for each of my clients. So when reviewing their food journals or their diaries within the check-in, I can actually cross-reference the two and and we can make some suggestions and make some really great progress. There's actually another episode coming out soon with uh, one of the girls I've been working with for a long period of time and we've only just started macro tracking and she's lost over five dress sizes already. So There's a few different ways that we can calculate these numbers. I personally use the Harris-Benedict equation um, for estimating your BMR or your basal metabolic rate. And then from there, we can start to add activity multipliers, which is going to calculate our energy output. Now I don't think explaining the formula in detail is going to be in like of benefit um, to the intention behind this episode. But if it is something that you're curious by, um please shoot me through a message and we can chat further on it. If you haven't already picked up, I love to connect with you all and I love to talk. So now if we head on to our macro split we need to remember that this obviously has that huge effect on our body composition. Okay. So we're talking energy balance is the overarching principle. And then our macro distribution underneath that is going to have a direct impact along with resistance training on our body composition. Right. So fat mass and muscle mass. Okay. So we're going to figure out our protein intake first, and then we're going to look at our fats. So Both of these essentially have baseline targets to be met, and then we can fill the rest with our carbohydrates um, for the remaining portion of our calories. So first of all, we kind of want to look at, you know, maintaining, and this is typically where I'll start with, you know, a newer client um, pending on their their history and where they might be. But this is where we want to get an understanding of what's coming in and what's going out and what's actually happening within our mass and our changes. Okay. So I'm not going to go into the detail on how we're tracking all of that, but the evidence suggests that 1.8 to 2.2 per kilo of body weight is optimal for those of the population who resistance trains. I think in the thick booties for you and I, right? So fats, we're looking kind of between 0.5 to 1.5 grams. Um, typically though, I advise a lot of my female clientele uh, to head towards the 0.8 or above, but Again, a bit of personal preference does come into these equations, okay? And then we can put the remaining calories to carbohydrates. So if we think about energy balance and then macro distribution, as long as protein and overall calories is equated for, there is a little bit of room and flexibility to move with the others. And for those that are super new to tracking, so again, we might start off with journaling, we might move into, you know, Understanding a little bit more about protein, then we might be starting to track there's varying levels. And I also use uh, different methods throughout different phases of my year as well. So if we do keep it simple for today and really focus on protein and overall calories as the main takeaways. So if we look at the infamous calorie deficit or less energy in than energy out, this is where we look at creating a reduction. Okay, so we're going to keep talking about nutrition but just know that a deficit can also be created with a larger output okay so as an example if we're kind of getting to that lower end of the food and we're going to start to see a lot of other negative impacts you know we might look at adding some more steps to the day adding a little bit of cardio into the routine so on and so forth to create a larger deficit but just know that the deficit can be created through a combination of food and output, okay? So there's nuances to everything, but we're going to go back to the equations. And so when we're looking at our distribution, we're going to look at whether we're looking for a bit of a, a minor approach, a moderate, moderate approach, or a more aggressive approach to our deficit. And so we're kind of working in percentages, okay? So like everything, there is pros and cons. And just to interject with some real life situations is I have coached multiple different clients through multiple different approaches. What works one time might not work the next based on what's happening within their life or maybe we've got a more time sensitive goal or whatever the situation may be. And then other times you might look at a more intense option. okay? So there's a lot of variations. Now if you do follow my business page, PT with Re, you probably would have heard me speak about a fat loss phase recently and where we might want to then shoot our protein to the higher end of the scale. So typically in a fat loss phase, we want to bump the protein up higher. So more towards that 22 um, Onwards and and higher per kilo of body weight. And the reason why is we, along with our resistance training, we want to signal as much as possible to reduce fat and not waste away any of our muscle tissue because we work damn hard for that shit, might I just say. Now, if we look at a growth phase or a surplus phase, this is where we are eating more than we're outputting for the purposes of building that lean muscle. Okay. So, again, factoring in resistance training. And the whole messaging behind here is I'm talking to resistance training a lot. And if you do need a little reminder about the benefits of building lean muscle, like outside of improved physique and performance and et cetera, there's so many different benefits and I can't stress the importance of them enough, but here, you know, are a few as you're going to decrease your body fat. You're going to improve your bone density. You're going to improve your glucose control and insulin sensitivity, increase your strength, your performance, your power, your mobility, your balance, like decrease risk of injury. So many amazing things. Okay. So I do coach a lot of women. Um, and men as well, through different phases, and they often come with really rigid food rules that we overcome. So we do this through developing their nutritional literacy and you know, going with a conservative approach when it comes to adding mass. So you know when we're eating in an energy surplus, we want to avoid putting on fat mass, and we want to focus on gaining lean muscle mass. So, really just kind of understanding the different macro distributions within those different phases. So before I start to wrap things up for today's episode, I really want to stress that you do need to start with where you're at. So taking from this, what lands, and if you do have questions, please, I welcome them. But a big reminder that Rome was not built in a day, but they did continue to lay bricks day by day. Okay. So a few common things that I see when it comes to nutrition is we really overcomplicate things. Sometimes we think that one diet is the best diet, but we actually fail to understand the overarching principles that we've touched on today. So the things that I've mentioned earlier, um, you know, adopting strategies becomes a lot easier when we really understand energy balance, macro distribution, so on and so forth so again if if you're super new to nutrition and understanding all of this and there's a lot of information to take in, you know using something like a food journal or some photos of your food and running them past your coach to help speed up that process um, and then you know moving through tracking a little bit more, understanding a little bit more, building on that knowledge over time. I actually thought about this on my walk this morning is that Things that I'm really, I guess, frustrated with just overall in general is that we almost have this sense of entitlement, like someone else has done something. So I should know all the things and bits and pieces. And then there's a whole lot of guilt and shame and stuff attached to that. I'm not going to go down all of that today, but it's a big reminder that we have to earn things like we need to earn the knowledge. We're not just gifted with this stuff. Like it's stuff that we develop and we can build on. And absolutely a big reminder, like I said, in one of the earlier episodes, I'm no better or no worse than anyone else. And you're exactly the same. No better, no worse. Everyone has the capability of reaching amazing things. It's just about understanding, learning, involving yourself in more, expanding your knowledge, asking questions, being curious. Okay. Like Just a reminder that you're totally capable of all the things that you want to achieve. And if removing food rules is one of them, then education is a huge component to that um, and a big focus on what we do inside the glow up. So again, those that typically come to me have really rigid food rules and are typically quite low in overall protein, you know, seeing the kind of really restrictive throughout the week and then on the weekend going all out or even on a micro scale, really restrictive throughout the day and then over consuming at night. So the basics that we do start with um, are kind of based around Precision Nutrition's hand plan guide, which I do utilize throughout my coaching, a whole module and workshop on that one as well. But Rather than you know labeling foods good or bad, we start to understand how to construct a plate. Um, we start to shift through the different stages of beginner intermediate advanced in terms of nutritional literacy. So very commonly, I see women skipping breakfast or you know saving calories for later in the day and then going all out and like I said, rinse and repeat. the way that we can solve some of these issues is just some really small shifts, you know trying to add a little bit more protein and whole foods into the morning, so Typically, and yeah, a lot, I would have to do the percentages, but just off the top of my head, a a large percentage, we know we've been able to make some massive, massive shifts by just getting more protein into their morning. So when we learn and we expand on our nutritional literacy, we understand the overarching principles and we actually build the confidence and power within ourselves. Like we feel so much more in control. We step into our confidence and our power where we're able to go out and eat or make decisions or choices that align with us and feel really confident and really freaking good about it as opposed to feeling super restricted and guilty about decisions and things that we make honestly like if that's where you're at again I do remember being in a place like that of I can't eat this and not that and at this time don't have this like and I see it so so much. So just a big reminder that if it's possible for me and the girls that I'm working with, it's definitely possible for you. But again, there's no specific diet type that's going to be, you know, the 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 knight in shining armor. They all have pros and cons. And if you can't stick to something for a long period of time and there's another way to still adhere to all the fundamental principles, then the strategy or the rule that you're created is probably a little bit of BS. Okay. So you know, looking at the different diet types, you've got things like intermittent fasting, the keto diet, if it's your macros, vegan, carnivore, paleo, you name it, the list goes on. Um, and as mentioned, I do have a pre-recorded seminar that does go into the weeds and the pros and cons of each diet type. So if you want a link to that, then shoot me a message and I'll send it through. But to really just leave you with a bit of that framework is understanding that 80, 20, 80% whole foods, 20% soul foods, aiming for roughly, you know, four meals a day, get protein in at each meal. You want to have about 350 to 370 grams worth of your non-starchy veggies. You want to get a couple of serves of fruit. So, you know, 140 to 150 grams, add in some healthy fats. If you went for some leaner protein sources and understand that there is no good and bad foods. And if you're still kind of sitting in that category, Definitely encourage you to do some more research or hire a coach or reach out, chat with me in the DMs because that is not where we want you staying. That's the recipe for overtrained, underfed, lacking results and frustrated AF. But that's kind of wrapping it up for today. The main takeaways that I would love for you to understand from today are understanding that energy in versus energy out or really understanding energy balance understanding macro distribution and what foods fall into where and how that actually has a much more profound effect than just energy balance when it comes to our body composition. Understanding the calculation behind our intake versus our output and that that macro distribution again is the overarching principle when it comes to having your hard work in the gym reflect in your physique so really understanding the principles of body mass and composition and that you know protein and overall calories is pretty much king and there are all different strategies and ways and there's no one best diet is the diet the best diet is the one that we can actually adhere to when we are still adhering to those overarching principles that we've discussed today so I do hope you've gained a whole heap from today's episode. um, And I really look forward to next week's episode where I do chat with one of my long term clients um, within the glow up. She's gone from every single diet you can think of with no success through to literally losing over five dress sizes. And we've only just recently started tracking macros. So that's going to be a very exciting conversation. And I would love to hear from you. So please chat with me in the DMs or if you haven't already, there is a link to the Facebook community group. It is a free group. The link is in the Instagram bio. Free to join and we're going to continue the conversations in there. But as always, I hope you've enjoyed listening. You've learned a lot and have an amazing day. Thank you for listening to the You But More Powerful podcast. If you're determined to continue to expand and grow and reach heights you never thought were possible, you'll want to make sure you're subscribed so you'll never miss out on a single episode. If you loved today's, I would absolutely love your feedback and to see you tag at you, but more powerful underscore podcast on Instagram. See you guys in the next episode.